Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John, my friend Joe. Joe is uh, leaving from Mexico in a number of hours where he will be. A number of hours. I'm going to be in Mexico for five weeks. And uh, I'm supposed to learn Spanish in five weeks, which I'm. I, I kind of feel like I'm in this catch twenty two because it's better than nothing, uh, and I have I, I have a little bit of Spanish, but I need to like in in the Archdiocese of Denver. There's just so many Hispanics. John's going to a parish of like sixteen thousand Hispanics, and but look at look at where my Spanish got to in four weeks in Mexico. Exactly, I mean, that's uh, what that's why I'm uh, freaking out a little bit <laughs> well, because I feel an obligation like I have to learn this, but I also right. feel like I don't have enough time. So right. So when you hear this podcast, I will probably be in Mexico. So we'll pray be, for me. Pray that I receive the gift of tongues. In a year from now. All these podcasts will be in Spanish. That's right. We're going to start a sister podcast. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's a scary thought. I can't. Ugh. Yikes. <laughs> if we knew how to say Catholic stuff, you know, in Spanish, you know. know, we would probably say that now. But exactly. That's kind of how we stand. Well, here we go. Number so, four, baby. Number four. So last week you talked about Father Emil. Father Emil. That's right. And uh, so we're kind of stringing along a series of podcasts that seem related because this year we're talking about war. War. And just war at that. Uh, so kind of an interesting hot topic, I guess, because especially with the war in Iraq, uh, there's a lot of debate between faithful Orthodox Catholics about whether or not the war, the preemptive strike, the preemptive war we launched on Iraq was a just war in the sense of the Catholic traditions, a sense of just war or not. And there were uh, yeah, there were good, good faithful Catholics on both sides of the argument. So, um, And it's still... I don't know. A lot of those tensions, I think, are still being carried into because we're still uh, dealing with the effects of that war and then other wars with terror and stuff like well, that. Well, one of the good signs, I actually think, is that we, we seem to get in trouble with everybody. Yeah. Everybody seems to get angry at, at one of these positions on these podcasts. It's true. Including capital punishment, which will get some feedback for that. I'm sure. But it's the same thing with every other every other topic. I'm sure. Well, so I'm, I'm going to try as best I can to not present... Joe Doman's understanding of just war. You're but just Dr. Brueggers. Dr. Brueggers. This is <laughs> for my teacher. Our moral theology professor. No, um, no, a lot of what I'm going to talk about is actually straight out of the catechism, and then we're just going to talk about it and maybe apply it to the situation 10 years ago when we went to war in Iraq. And we won't go into depth in that, but at least how, how would you apply these principles to that situation? Gotcha. So anyway, here we go. So there's basically in, in the catechism, the just war tradition goes back to St. Augustine talks about it in his City of God. Aquinas talks about just war. Uh, so it's been something that's been in the tradition for a long time, that war uh, is a necessary evil yeah. that humanity always finds itself in. So, But it's not like, you know, you've heard that phrase, all is all's fair in love and war. What's well, really not true. Like, all is not moral in war. Like, there's still a moral realm, and you can conduct, you can go to war for unjust reasons, but you can also conduct a war in an unjust way. So what is it, even the idea of a just war, what do we mean when we say that? That implies that there are, Situations which arise where some injustice has been committed to which war is the only appropriate response. Okay. So having a just war implies an injustice, a grave injustice that's done. And so, the only necessary, the only appropriate response to the injustice is war. Exactly. Gotcha. So the state rightly goes to war when doing so constitutes the best available remedy for righting the injustice that was caused in the first gotcha. place. So when we talk about just war, it's always... You're always speaking about just war when there's an injustice already present that has to be remedied. Which I think is pretty radical, actually. I mean, it really is. Just, just the thought that war has to be justified. I mean, who, who talks like that, you know, outside of the Catholic Church? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just kind of – there's so many other different kind of dimensions and uh, intentions and 
purposes behind it. It's just like this is a justified response to remedy injustice. Right. And so like war is always – this is tricky because language we can get tripped up on. War is always an evil. It's not always a moral evil. Like we're not always morally culpable we'll have to stand before God right. if we're doing it war if we're going into war justly. But it's always an evil in the sense of it's a a, a grave deprivation of a good. You know, people are dying. That's it's not a moral evil, but it's an evil in the sense of there's something there's a good that's being destroyed. Right. And that's always an evil, even though it's not might not be a moral choice where I'm choosing evil. Does that right. make any sense? Yes, of course. I just think that's important because war is it's just good to get in that mindset that you can have a just war. That is a moral war. Uh, but war, as in, in, in the fact that it's war, it's always an evil. Right. In the sense, it's not something that's desired for its own sake. Right. So that's important. So anyway, the Catechism pretty much uh, deals with this in uh, uh, the 23 zeros of the Catechism. <laughs> so if you go to those paragraphs, this is where you'll find the just war stuff. And um, there's two senses of it. There's the, they call it the use ad bellum, which is the justice to go to war to go to bellum is war and then the use in bellow the justice in war so there's two ways they speak about you know how do you how do you uh make a just choice to go to war and then when you're in war how do you oh go that's to war interesting justly? because so it, yeah we often think of just war theory as just the decision to go to war but it's actually but once you're in the war there's a just mm-hmm. there's a whole evaluation moral evaluation that has to happen within the war of how you actually exactly it's not like once you're okay we've gone to war and now everything's fair we just got to win this war yeah exactly like there is grave injustices that can be committed and have been throughout history in war right. so there's five main main uh kind of elements to the use ad bellum the decision to go to war justly uh and so this is laid out in the catechism starting in i think 23 7 so the first one is a presumption against war. Okay. And this is something that's kind of debated against. But I'll just read you what the Catechism says. It says, The Church insistently urges everyone to prayer and to action so that the divine goodness may free us from the ancient bondage of war. And this is where the presumption against justice against war comes in. All citizens and all governments are obliged to work for the avoidance of war. Okay. So, now that's different than pacifism. Yes. Presumption against war is different than... than um, you know, war is never acceptable. Can never be justified in any instance. Exactly. We're certainly not condoning that. No, we're not. And that's not what the church is saying, but the church is saying we have to do everything we can to avoid war. And what, and what it's saying implicitly in that is that there are some instances where war cannot be avoided. It's almost that I told this to John before the podcast. It's, it's not that you choose to go to war. It's that you're left with no other choices, but to go to war. Morally is the only option. Exactly. So that's the first one, just as a framework. And then you have the kind of the fundamental uh, condition for just war is a just cause. Uh, You need a just cause to go to the war. There's an injustice that has to be remedied. War is the only proper response. And this is what the catechism says. It says the just cause can be this, the damage inflicted by the aggressor on the nation or community. So a nation attacks us or invades us or bombs us. The damage inflicted by the aggressor on the nation or community of nations must be lasting, grave, and certain. Hmm. That's really important. Lasting, grave, and certain. Exactly. So in order to, um, just to draw an analogy, so uh, I'm trying to think of a war. So World War II, the attack on Pearl Harbor. There was a certain aggression from you know the Japanese to American soil. So it's a certain, it's grave, obviously, lives are being lost, and it's lasting. I mean, they're... It's presuming that they're going to – this is a um, damage that's done. It's going to be lasting, and it's presumed that they're going to keep coming gotcha. uh, with other attacks. So there you have a just cause immediately. We have to protect – the civil authorities have a right and a duty 
obligation to protect its citizens. Gotcha. Um, so to do so, they can only do so if there is an aggression that's lasting, grave, and certain. So that's the just cause. We'll come back to that. Uh, number three, we have uh, the, la- the condition of last resort. So this is what the Catechism says, 2309. All other means of putting an end to it, the injustice, must have been shown to be practic- impractical or ineffective. Okay. So basically anything else we try is not going to remedy this injustice. The only thing, we, the last resort is we go to war. Like I said, we don't choose to go to war because we have to go to war uh, because the conditions being as they are, this is the only impractical and effective way to remedy the injustice. It's important. Okay. So the last two, which are, um, I can just go through them quickly. The probability of success there must be a serious prospect of success if you go to war. You can't. You shouldn't go to war. Just you can't go to war get, rightly if, if you're going to get pwned. Exactly. Um, and then proportionality. The use of arms must not produce evils and disorders graver than the evil to be eliminated. For example, dropping a nuclear bomb. Exactly. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, you can't. There's a grave injustice committed, and so the remedy of that justice shouldn't be has to be has to be proportionate to the injustice already committed. That makes sense. Uh, which is important because this that kind of speaks to the whole. What do you do when you're in war? Uh, is it just you do everything you can to win it, or no? Do you have to, you you do what you need to do yes. to win it, uh, yeah. but you don't just like blot out an entire nation or an entire yeah. city or city swapping, you know, carpet bombing, uh, yeah. you know, Germany or whatever. So, right. so those are the use ad bellum to go to war. And then when you're in war, pretty simple. You need to have the right intention. So it says the church and human reason both assert the permanent validity of the moral law during armed conflict. And all they're saying there is that the moral realm doesn't go out the window when you enter war. Yes. You still have to have the right intention of what you're doing. War doesn't mean everything becomes illicit uh, between the warring parties. Everything becomes lawful, allowed. Um, so, yeah. And then there's the immunity of non-combatants, of wounded soldiers, of, of prisoners. This is all when you're in war, having right intention. Right. And then uh, and then discrimination we talked about already, which is proportionality. You can't. Uh, you have to discriminate between soldiers and non-combatants. Right. Uh, this is part of in war. You can't just say... We're just going to wipe everybody out. There has to be a healthy discrimination that's appropriate for war. You know? right. So non-combatants and prisoners and all those are immune. Right. So anyway, um, when it comes to the war in Iraq, which is the most interesting case and most kind of recent in our consciousness in America, um, I think the fundamental controversial conditions of going to war um, war were the uh, condition of last resort. Like, is this the last? Is this the, the um, is there not anything else we can do to prevent war? and uh, the just cause. And that's the thing that's most sticky with the... Because uh, <laughs> with the war in Iraq, we had this whole notion of preemptive strike. Right. Preemptive war. And that phrase, I mean, it got tossed around so much, but there is like almost nothing in the tradition that justifies a preemptive, preemptive strike. strike. Um, especially in the, what we have from the catechism now. Um, it, it, war is always a response to an injustice already committed, or at least certainly... It's like it's like the guy's coming at you with a knife, right. and so you're you're justified in shooting him in the knee or shooting. But the proponents him. of, you know, so we got Weigel in the background here, George Weigel, who yeah. would say it was, it wasn't preemptive because of nine eleven. Exactly, uh, and that's and that's if there was a way to draw that connection strongly between the war in Iraq and nine eleven, which has been thrown into doubt seriously over the last ten years, uh, that would be that would move towards a justification of it as a response. Um, but the connections weren't strong even at the time. Yeah. And so the idea of preemptive war is really perilous when you're talking about Catholic moral teaching regarding just war theory. Um, I think the, and I'm not saying it's impossible that you can have a preemptive strike, but I think it's really perilous because the just cause for going to war 
has to, the aggression, the um, harm inflicted by the aggressor has to be lasting, grave, and certain. And that certain one is the biggest thing. Right. So let's say that if Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, uh, we had to be certain that they had them, one, that they were capable of inflicting grave injustice that was lasting, and certain that they were intended to use them upon them. Because there's all sorts of other countries that have weapons of mass destruction or powerful you know, nuclear weapons that we don't go to war about because we don't think they're going to attack us. So we have to be certain of it. We have to have a moral certitude. Uh, meaning like if someone hits me in the face, I'm certain that they're attacking me, right. uh, but I can still be certain that they're going to attack me. Uh, right. for, I have a, I can have a moral certitude of that. So um, I think you could flip that condition around and say, if there are reasonable doubts if, uh, to believe that their war, that the um, aggressor is not going to attack us, then you don't have moral certitude. Right. So if there's reasonable doubts, no moral certitude. If there is moral certitude, that means there's no more reasonable doubts. So I think with the war in Iraq, that's the big, that was the big thing. And there's an article that our teacher wrote, Dr. Brewer, um, about the, he wrote in 2009 for the Irish International or Theological Quarterly, if you want to look it up. It's a great article. But he kind of lays out his argument um, regarding the war. And he goes through like kind of the nitty-gritty details about the post, post-war post uh, report and the uh, other investigations, I can't remember the names, about what what the administration knew at the time that they decided to go to war. Right. Did they have moral certitude? And he argues that they didn't. Uh, and we don't have to go on that now, but I do think it's important for people to understand at least the principles around right, it. Right. Because war is just such a serious, serious crime. Or not crime. It's a serious evil. Uh, not a moral evil, like I said, but it's a serious um, serious thing. Uh, and a lot of people are affected by it. And uh, you have to have damn good reason. Sorry for the That's D word. <gasps> but you have to have real good reason to go to war. Uh, real certainty. Because imagine if we had uh, if we applied this whole notion of preemptive strike when it came to the Cuban Missile Crisis right. or when it came to the Cold War, Cold War in yeah. general, uh, I mean, there are grave, grave consequences to the decision to go to war. Um, does that make any sense? Oh, yeah, it does. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Please. Now, I am in your camp on this, but I want to throw two things out there. And I think Weigel's response to this and the reason why George Weigel argues that it was a just war is based on the fact that he says – the form of war has changed and the church's approach uh, is not suitable for evaluating war in this kind of um, way that we're kind of trying to fight uh, international groups of, of terrorists that are connected to all these different countries and kind of different, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not just state versus state kind of thing. That's my first question. How would you respond to that? Okay, sure. Yeah, and I think there's, there's a truth to that. And I think that's why this whole notion of preemptive war has become a part of the discussion. Right. Because before we had missiles and um, the ability to attack one another without being in each other's neighborhood. Right. Um, it was pretty obvious when, when there a was guy, a grave, certain, and lasting when William, aggression. When William you see, Wallace coming over the, <laughs> Exactly. When you see guys in war paint and yeah. kilts running at you yeah. and pillaging your city. I mean, yeah. then it's an easy, oh, like, oh, yeah, we have to go to war now because right. we have to defend ourselves. And uh, the advancements we've made technologically in military warfare are so um, so different than what we've had in the past. Right. So there has to be, a, I think, there has to be a healthy development, right, right, right. but the principle at work is still is still holds. I think that right. the aggression has to be grave, lasting, and certain. Right. You have to have moral certitude beyond a reasonable doubt that war is imminent, right. uh, and you have to respond to protect your citizens. Right. Uh, but I and, and so I think I think there's something to that, but I don't think it necessarily justifies everything we've done. Right. Mm-hmm. What was the other part? The other question is, and this is the other thing you heard thrown around a lot, like. 
We're one of the most powerful countries in the world. We have the obligation to protect and to be involved in political uh, problems throughout the world for the sake of kind of we're the justice keepers of the world, so to speak. That's the other thing. So we got we have to take advantage of that because we have the power to do that. And there is something, I mean, Augustine actually talks about this as well. When there is like, when there is a injustice, not just committed against your own nation, but committed against the community of nations and against God himself, that could be a just cause. Now that's not in the catechism now, but it's still part of the tradition. Right. Um, but if you're going to use that to justify the war in Iraq, which has been done, and the response which has been given is there's all sorts of injustices across the world that are a lot worse than what was going on in Iraq right. uh, that the U.S. hasn't really done much about. Right. The genocide that's been and, – and sometimes we have, but a lot of times we haven't. Right. Um, so – And I'm in no way condoning kind yeah. of isolationism, but the thought that war has – again, it's like is this the final – option is this, is this the last kind mm-hmm. of possible is this the way last resort of dealing with this and then there's a sense of humility like maybe we're not the most amazing uh peacekeeper because we're the most powerful who's to say that the people who have the most uh nuclear weapons are the ones who should be controlling and deciding how these things work uh, out and that's a whole other like do we re- do we really think that we have the capacity to stabilize the middle east right because i think we app we operate out of that if we just can get our hands on these things and kind of and it's just like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. Like, mm-hmm. what's to say we're And that's an important, we're any that's an important point. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But um, we do, when we operate in that framework, we, as America, make decisions that don't really affect our lives. T- I mean, they have the potential to if we're getting dragged into a war where right. we're sending our soldiers there. We, you know, God forbid, get attacked. But we're making decisions that gravely affect the lives of the people who live there. I right. want to read you something just from the end of... Uh, Dr. Brugger's article, because I just, this brought a home for me. I mean, we've been talking about just war principles and right. conditions, but this is just to put some flesh on the principles and bring it home a little bit because uh, war is a serious thing. And um, especially in America, we're just not touched by it very much unless we have loved ones that we ourselves are in the military. So this is just about the effect of the war in Iraq. And this is a lot of this info is from um, 2006 or 2009. Okay. Um, so this is the paragraph. I just thought it was helpful. He says this the Iraqi body count. Database, uh, database reports that as of February 2009, so this is four years ago, non-combatant civilian deaths, non-combatant, this isn't like military, non-combatant civilian deaths in Iraq resulting from the 2003 war numbered between 93,000 and 100,000. Whoa. Just try to get your mind around that. 9-11, we had 3,000 people die in the World Trade Center. 93,000 and between 93 and 100,000 people, non, non, non-combatants were killed in Iraq. And this includes not just people died uh, from the war itself. This includes civilian deaths caused by coalition military action, by insurgent and terrorist responses to coalition presence, uh, and criminal actions arising from social disorder following the invasion. Overall deaths, this is the overall number, they number in the hundreds of thousands. Conservative estimates put the number in 2006 around 500,000 deaths Whoa. in the war in Iraq. I mean, just 500,000 compared to 3,000 yeah. in New York and 9-11, which obviously I'm not saying that's not bad, but just to give some perspective to this. Um, there's other reports that as of sever, a summer 2007, more than 2.2 million Iraqis were believed to be displaced inside the country and another 2 million sheltering in neighboring countries, so 2 million refugee, refugees, a small percentage of whom were displaced before 2003. Over 4 million refugees in a country of 27 million people. So think about it. That's like one-eighth of the country is is gone, uh, plus those who died. Crazy. Uh, unemployment, 70%, a 15% in extreme poverty, 47% in uh, below the poverty line, 
water supply dysfunctional. One in three children are chronically malnourished in Iraq as of 2006. One-fifth of the children are underweight. Uh, it's 12% of Iraqi school children have dropped out. More than 1.3 million children have dropped out because of security risks, because of uh, the need to support their families and work. But the point is that the burdens of the war in Iraq and our decisions to go to war don't fall on us. They fall especially heavily upon the people, the people. in Iraq and yeah. the Christian community in Iraq has suffered immensely as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just I, it's just so easy to talk about war yeah. without experiencing the reality. So that's just to be like, whoa, this is something that's it's easy to speak of, but uh, it's a very serious thing that's just not a part of our consciousness. And not to not to say that, you know, people who justify the war in Iraq are like heartless, heartless people who have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, these, no, no, these no. are good people on both sides arguing, right. but I do think it's helpful to... And what does can, the church say? And, and and you can be a Catholic thinking on these things mm-hmm. and go to both sides of this. I really exactly, think, you know yeah. What I mean? yeah, that's um, true. What I do love about the Catholic approach, though, is that it just recognizes sin, and it recognize, it really mm-hmm. accounts for original sin. And so much of the propaganda around war in a secular, you know, state-driven thing is um, with this war, we will eliminate war. You know what I mean? We will bring right. about peace through this war. And there's kind of a sense of like, no, war is a reality that will be with us at the end of time. It's kind of mm. like we were talking about with poverty earlier. Are you trying to eradicate poverty? Are you trying to just care for the needs of the poor? Mm. Recognize that they'll always be with us. This is the effects of sin. So good work. Great job, man. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And see any more week. thoughts, suggestions, insults, comments, whatever, we will take them. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.